Hi there and welcome to Beyond Saints. I'm your host Vincenzo Salvia. I'm just kidding, I can't even speak English. So instead we are all going to sit here and listen to my new EP. Well, it's clear that I am very talented. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, I'm here, man. You wouldn't believe it. Traffic out there was crazy, motherfucker. What the fuck are you doing in my chair? Okay. Indeed, there's going to be some changes around here. Yeah, you're right. There are. Oh! Uh, this is my show! My rules! You think you can... You can just come in here and with your hotshot clothes and just waltz all over the little guy? Well, look at you now! You get it? Capito, motherfucker! Freeze! Put down that gun! Stay out of this, McNabb! You have authority here! What are you on about? I've been a cop for years, you bastard! Now put down that fucking gun! You put down the gun! How the hell are you a cop, anyways? I've got a different job every week, you silly bastard. Last week I was working for the butchers down bloody Shoreditch High Street. Week before that, I was working for paparazzi taking pictures for Grazia magazine. But they had to let me go, didn't they, because I kept taking pictures of my penis and putting them in pages. Anyway, if you don't put that gun down, I'll have to put you down and that little pencil dick of yours. <laughs> well, think fast, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> Well, I couldn't think of a better way to start a podcast. All right, are you all ready for season two? We're live from Toronto, it's Beyond Sin! I have this noisy dog that lives uh, at my neighbor's. It's been silent all day. I've been sitting here working, making homemade beef jerky. Yeah. The second four o'clock happened, it just instantly just starts barking. Do you think there's some signal, some some high frequency thing that gets sent out? Maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Beef jerky, huh? Yeah, man. I was doing. Is that a Canadian ritual? Beef jerky all day, mountain man. It's something. <laughs> Honestly, it's because I, I've always really enjoyed beef jerky, but it's like so fucking expensive. I don't know. I mean, it's just you buy these little bags yeah. of beef jerky and it's like six bucks for like 40 ounces or not even yeah. ounces. What's um, grams? I don't know. Anyway, don't, dude, don't make me do math at this time of day. So, <laughs> so anyways, I was like, oh, fuck this. And then in my head, I'm thinking, well, making homemade beef jerky, like you probably need a giant oven and you got to have all these racks or whatever. And it turns out it's so simple to make that uh, it's just like you might as well make it and then you get like a big bag at the end. You buy like 10 bucks worth of meat and you just fucking... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just dry it out pretty much, right? Exactly, for that's it. 10 hours or something or whatever. That's, you know, it's not even that. The stuff I did today was for like you put the oven on a low heat and I put it in... For... <laughs> 
Did I miss some innuendo joke in there? No, no, know. no. I'm keeping this in. The point is that this is a synthwave podcast and I'm talking about homemade beef jerky. But the uh, Well, I've listened to the program before and it's not surprising. <laughs> okay. I'm just waiting for the GTA questions to come up. I know I've missed the boat on that one, but it's all right. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, I, I anyway the point is I did it for about four to five hours on low heat, and I made some delicious beef jerky. Standard flavor? Any any spices? Um, I put in some hot pepper flakes and mm. just just soy sauce and Worcestershire sauce and salt and pepper, and um, that was it really. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep it safe. The quality's high. Uh, it's decent. I mean, yeah. it's, I could probably do better. I could probably make like a, a more fancy marinade, but I'm not really a good cook. I just got that recipe. Uh, like, you know, when you type in shit into Google, it's just like how to make beef jerky. And I literally just took like whatever the top yeah. fucking result was. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to sample some of that if I could sometime. Well, if you ever tour up to Toronto. You never know. <laughs> Droid Bishop takes Canada. Hey man, that'd be sweet. We'll see. We'll see. I'm down. I'm just uh, dunking this tea bag here, and I'm going to throw it in the garbage. I like your style. And then I'll and then I will uh, do an official opening. Okay. So today, this is uh, this is the first episode of season two, although technically it will be still be called episode sixteen. So hopefully that's not confusing to anybody. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and uh, sometimes I'll download them and keep them in folders and stuff. And so I like it when there's a consistency with the numbering system. Sometimes shows try and get clever and like change up the numbering and then it like fucks up the, the order if you have them in a file on your computer. Are you waiting for me to respond Oh, to yeah, you? I guess I got to intro you first, <laughs> I right? thought you were like, you know, talking to the world and then you got, <laughs> and, and we've got Droid Bishop here. <laughs> and we got Droid Bishop here. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hey, buddy. James Bowen. That's right. You got it. I don't have, a, I'm sorry, I don't have a French last name. That's like the running theme of my show is the pronunciation of things. Yeah. Because it could have been like, it's James Bowen or whatever, I don't know. James Bowen, coming at you. <laughs> but it is Bowen. You got it. Sweet. Well, we're done here. Okay, great talking to you, buddy. <laughs> Anyways, man, how you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, I feel good. I thought I was going to be a bit tired getting up at uh, the crack of noon for you, but I feel good. <laughs> had, some, had some coffee. I'm ready to roll. You live in an exciting place, right? And it's warm right now, isn't it? Dude, I'm wearing a tank top right now. Everyone else is just shoveling snow. I feel so bad, but not that bad. Last week here, it was negative 40 at one point, the wind chill. That's 40 degrees Celsius. Is... No wonder you're making so much beef jerky. Yeah, man. It's just to have the oven on to keep ourselves warm. Oh, yeah. We had this like ice rain day where it just rained and then all of a sudden just like instantly froze. Then this around the street from me, like a water main broke and uh, sprayed water like all over the cars and froze. You know, like when Mr. Freeze uses his freeze ray. Yeah. You know, it's sort of you see this buildup and like icicles fall and then there's buildup on top of the buildup and so on. So that's what like the side of the cars looked like. Oh, yeah. Just like when Mr. Freeze uses his freeze ray. The Arnold Mr. Freeze? Uh, yeah, technically, he, yeah. That's your favorite movie, right? Well, yeah, regardless of how shitty the film is, the effect is essentially the same. And yes, it's my favorite film. I know. <laughs> Droid Bishop. Now, are we talking Lance Henriksen here, or what was your, uh, what was the origin of the name for you? That's definitely where it started. When I was getting into this scene a little under a year ago, I'm trying to think of a cool name, and, you know, everything has some sort of, like, night or laser kind of thing in it and i i almost went in that direction but i figured 
you know, there were, there were enough of those out there and they're all cool names. And I really didn't have a good name. And I just, I remembered this old tune that I had called Android Bishop. And it, that was based on, on, uh, the aliens movie. Right. I just dropped the A and thought Droid Bishop sounds pretty cool. I was actually in the shower when I thought of that. So, <laughs> um, that's where I do a lot of my thinking, you know, just letting the, the hot water. Just, just... And then bring it, bring a keyboard in there. Yeah. You know, that's why I do all my tunes, dude. <laughs> shower sense, baby. I've been doing some research, right? Oh, no. And you have sort of a uh, musical family, in quotes? Yeah, I guess so. How, how, how much digging did you do, brother? All right, so your brother is a dude who goes by the name Sam Sparrow, is that correct? That's correct. And he has a mustache? That is correct. <laughs> and he had uh, some, like, hit songs, in, like Europe and stuff. I watched a video called Black and Gold. It's got like 18 million hits. Yeah, that was a pretty big hit for him. He had a, a Grammy nomination. He was up against uh, the old Daft Punk, but of course they took it. But that's cool because we both grew up on them, so it's like, who else do you want to lose out to? Mm -hmm. so. I saw a clip of you on Australian television. Oh, yeah. And you were playing uh, guitar, and he was doing a, a live performance. You're digging deep, bro. That's what I do, man. I like it. Well, playing with my brother, that was that was really fun because we kind of grew up on all the same sort of music, like Michael Jackson and a lot of like funk stuff. So that was great for me to get to utilize the funk and the Eddie Van Halen licks for him. So he kind of let me do what I wanted a bit. So that was cool. Gave me a couple of ripping 80s guitar solos and that's all I really need. And you like work as a musician, right? Like you get paid money to be a musician. I'm lucky enough to be one of those guys. You know, I don't have a, I don't have a private jet yet, but <laughs> everyone and pretty much on my dad's side is, uh, is a musician. So I guess I really didn't have a choice, you know, just like a doctor. My dad's a doctor, so I'll be a doctor. Mm. It wasn't like I was forced, but you know, just that's just the way that we we operate. Bit of a nomadic gypsy musician family. My grandpa was a jazz trumpet player. He used to play with Frank Sinatra and a lot of those cats back in the day. So, which I didn't really know or appreciate about when I was younger. But as I get older, I'm like, that's that's pretty cool. You weren't born in the states, right? No, I was born in Sydney, Sydney, Australia. So, can you speak with an Australian accent? That's always. The the first question and the answer had better be yes go the answer is it depends who i'm with if i'm with a bunch of other people that are from australia and you know there's a bit of uh you know there's a couple beverages involved i can get through it a bit so what if i started doing a really bad australian accent would you chime in with a, with an equally bad one i'd just chime in with a bad canadian accent but uh <laughs> Bottom line is you're not going to do an Australian accent, right? Is that where we're going? I'm too sober, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> I told you, I you know, it's only 1.30. I mean, give me an hour. Come on. When did you move? I moved here when I was seven or eight in 90, 93. I'm 28 right now. So, uh, okay. yeah, I've been here most of my life. So this is home as well as that is home too. A lot of people say, oh, you were young and you probably don't remember, but you know, seven, eight years old, I became, you know, who I am mm -hmm. over there. And, and I was raised by Australian parents and 
I go back often and you know, that's both, both places are my home, but I do. I'm glad I came here. I got a green card when I was pretty young, so I don't have to worry about that. And mm-hmm. I mean, they're pretty similar in, in a lot of, in a lot of ways. So it's not like I moved to Russia from Australia. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that'd be a, that'd be a bit different. So your brother say, I take it. That's a stage name. Yeah. Were you guys like doing music like at the same time or did he get into it first and then you or was just the fact that it was all around you, it was just sort of like, you're a little baby, yeah. you're going to grab an instrument because it's there kind of thing. Yeah, it was it was like that. Um, I grabbed a guitar when I was five or six and just started playing on that. And and he was a bit more of like a like a performer kind of guy. Like he, he was into drama and, you know, singing and all that. And somewhere along the way, we both started writing our own music and veered pretty separately in musical direction he was pretty big into soul and things like that and i was a bit more into rock and things like that but then we found a common ground when i was about 16 or something we'd drive around in his car and he'd show me a bunch of electronic stuff and he really got me into people like daft punk we would just mm-hmm. listen to that discovery record like over and over when we drive around and i i know anyone can debate about their new stuff and but we can all agree that that record was amazing and changed a lot of people's lives and i I probably wouldn't be doing what i'm doing now without that record right 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 so we found common ground there and kept doing our own things and and he got success from from his stuff and he was cool enough to let me play on his records and bring me on the road and and we had a good time and that was that was fun and that kind of inspired me to do my own thing in the synth world and and here we are so thanks, bro. <laughs> Tell me about Galaxy Unknown. Ah, the first track. tracks i was working on before that and a lot of them just got tossed out and that was the one i just figured i'd put out first to see what people thought because it felt the best to me Mm -hmm. 
my tune light years that was on my last ep was actually one of the first tracks i ever made and i just reworked it and remixed it and updated it a bit for the new thing but galaxy unknown was cool because i wasn't sure what people would think about the tunes or if i knew what i was doing or i was really into french producer tommy i love that dude um mm -hmm. and I just send it to him. I mean, the scene was kind of small enough where you could contact people. I'm sure you know this with contacting producers. Mm. And he was cool enough. He sent me back. He's like, wow, this is really cool, man. And put it on his SoundCloud. You know, I got a lot of followers from that. And I still, I'm still very thankful for him for doing that. And yeah, that track kind of opened up this world for me. And I just kept going. And I'm not stopping anytime soon. So. <laughs> Thanks, thanks, Tommy. Love you, bud. You have a way of phrasing your sentences like it sounds like you're wrapping up the interview. Yeah, so I've got to go, Andy, but it's been real. I'll take some of that jerky to go. <laughs> what is Neon Hymns? Neon Hymns is uh, a band I was in for a while with some of my buddies that I grew up in Australia with. They moved out here a couple years back and... I was in another band and they kind of stole me away. Um, it was kind of hard to say no to your old buddies. Um, and we were doing that for a couple of years and, and it, it was cool. You know, I, I had fun doing it. I love the guys and we made some pretty cool tunes and toured a bit. And But it just became a point where we all kind of wanted to do different things. You know, I'm sure some of the producers in the scene have been in bands and they know what it's like to work with three other guys and you're trying to write a song and people are on different pages and I would just get so mad sometimes about like the littlest thing, like a chord change. I'm like, no, mm -hmm. it has to be this, man. You know, sometimes that doesn't work for everyone and I take it a bit too personal, the music, because it's, it's a huge part of me and I just want it to be how I see it. It doesn't mean I'm right or there they're wrong or anything like that but that's why i love doing this because it's just me you know i can spend hours trying to make something right just the first thing i play doesn't mean it's right but i'm just battling with myself and that's i'm not i'm not worried about offending myself so when you say you guys toured around was that just in the states or did you go other places yeah i was just in the states like the east coast and up and down the west coast slumming it in a van and sleeping on buddy's couches and sleeping in the van it was fun though you know i can't you're not going to be anywhere in your life without the experiences you've been through. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm actually, uh, the remix I did for Fleurs. Is that, that start again? Track? Yeah. Start, start again. That track, two of the guys in that band were in neon hymns. So we're all still cool. I'm actually going to see them play live tonight. Was that remix the last thing you did? Yeah. I think that's the last thing I released uh, at the end of 2013.
I guess people don't know, but I'll let them know that you were actually one of the first people I contacted before I even knew about synthetics. Mm. There was an, a few people I contacted and like Ogre was one of them. Uh, you were one of them. And there was always this sort of understanding that we were going to do the thing, but that was before Beyond Synth was even a thing. Like we, you know, we were exchanging emails or whatever. Yeah. I sort of forgot about it for a long time until one day you popped up on Project Friday or or like the Synthetics FM or something. Something like that. Because up till that point, I didn't know that you had like a presence on Synthetics. Like there are some producers who don't spend any time there. Yeah. I don't know if they think that they're better than it or whatever, but you know, they're I mean, just... I, I think I'm better than, than them, but I, I, <laughs> I still go on it. So I don't spend too much time on there. It's cool to check in. I, I definitely get updates on what people are posting and I love, I love all that stuff. I definitely check it out once in a while and post some things, but I, I just kind of like sitting back and, and kind of watching what everyone else is doing and saying and getting into those Kavinsky arguments. I love it. I always liked any type of music. There's only two types of music, good and bad, if you ask me. But I just definitely grew up in, in more of the rock world. I always made little little shitty electronic things with really bad software, you know, when I was younger that I thought was really cool, but it wasn't at all. Just with the the synth wave scene, I felt like I could find that sound because it, there sometimes you can get away with a bit of a lo-fi old school mix. And I'm not a great mixer. I've just been getting my chops down a bit this year. Mm -hmm. It's just something I thought I could do if I get a couple of the right plugins and some of the 80s virtual synths, I could probably do it because I have an understanding of music. Um, and some of my first Droid Bishop tracks are like, are bad, are just bad. You know, they're terrible. Even some of my new ones that I don't release, I'm like, what was I thinking? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just get lucky. But I'm definitely finding my comfort zone in this scene. And there's a lot of cool artists out there that definitely keep you on your toes and you want to progress and do the best you can. So I always loved electronic music. I just, I really found this scene to be just an amazing a world you know there's only a few scenes that kind of make you feel this certain way and this is de this was definitely one of them in my life when i discovered the scene yeah 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 because i love the 80s that's why we that's why we're all here you know whether it's 80s metal or 80s pop or 80s electro i just i loved that aesthetic and this is the place to be for that so <laughs> Tell me about electric love. I'll tell you right now. I'm, I know you already know this, but like, okay, do you say color and data? Or do you say color and... No, you'd say data. Yeah, color and data. You know, it depends where I am. It's data. I say data. Well, anyway, uh, I love that song. I know you do, Andy. <laughs> I wrote it for you. Thanks, buddy. You got it.
Data is a wicked song, and I said Thanks, it before, man. but it's my, it's one of my go-to walking songs. So that's like, say I'm just like walking down the street, and I like put on that song, and it like, yeah, you get like a strut going. Yeah, man, it's a fucking cool. It's a cool track. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. It's super hard to convey your sarcastic tone i tend to try to be funny with like texts and things like that and some people just are not getting what i'm saying and it just com- looks like i'm being a complete asshole oh buddy <laughs> i bet you know about that <laughs> yeah. okay i had a teacher this was in college i've had like every year i had one major thing happen in college where like i almost got kicked out of school or something second year was uh i swore in front of a bunch of children while we were filming something but I didn't really swear that bad. I said shit. Oh, who cares? And they heard. But it was a big deal because we were on, on fucking college property or something, some stupid thing. It was dumb. Then the third yeah. year was I had this interaction with my teacher who I thought was cool. Like she was a cool teacher. I went to film school. You know, it was like one of our writing classes. Yeah. And uh, one day I didn't come to class because it was too cold outside. I didn't want to go outside and wait for the bus. So she said, oh, how come you weren't in class? And I said, uh, oh, it's too cold outside. And she's like, well, that's kind of a lame excuse, right? This is communicating through email. So I thought, okay, she's just attacked me saying I made a lame excuse. I think I can respond with kind of a joke. So then I said, yeah, but it's okay. I heard I heard class wasn't that good anyways. Like that. Yeah. It's obviously a joke. I didn't go to class because it was cold, whatever. Anyway, it turned into like this fucking fiasco about like how you don't write to your teachers like that. I had to talk to like the fucking lady who ran the program and stuff. I'm like, dude, it was a joke. And like when I had her in the room, I'm like, you know, I was joking, right? Like, come on. I thought we were cool. Like all the time we're always kind of like joking in class. No, I get I get that. I get you, man. Dude, you just reminded me about teachers who you think are cool and then completely turn. So I had this principal in my in my high school and we used to get along really well. I actually had left high school to go do some other things, and I already got my GED. So I came back for a bit, and I kind of just took classes that I wanted to take. And she would tell me, hey, if you don't feel like going to class, just let me know, and we'll work something out. Cool. So, And then you know, a couple months later, she starts receiving death threats with like anthrax stuff and all this crazy shit. I don't even know all the details. And she starts pointing fingers at me and my friends. And we all, we get like investigated by the FBI. What? We have to do writing samples. I got taken out of my job, my grocery bagging job to be like fingerprinted and writing and do writing samples with like FBI and all this crazy shit. And they were like following me and my buddies all the time. And uh, it turns out that she flipped a switch and she was writing these letters to herself. (laughs) What? I'm dead serious, man. She was writing these letters to herself and then putting it all on all the the outsider kids. Did she know she was doing it? Yeah. Yeah. I, like yeah. it was it she, wasn't one of those things where like she like wakes up in the morning and she's like got different clothes on. And- no, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a memento <laughs> type thing. <laughs> she was just crazy. That's all she was. Fuck, it sucks when people go crazy, man. I know. Yeah, it was just wild that someone uh then she was like having an affair with with our our on-campus security guard and i think like he broke it off because he was having an affair with our attendance lady and she got really mad our principal got <laughs> our, our prince our principal got mad that that she wasn't you know going at it with the cop anymore so i think she just like 
just I don't know. She just the lost it. The thing that it, sucks dude. is you when when something like that happens to you, you don't ever really get like an apology, do you? No. Like, do they ever go, look, we're sorry, but it turns out that we fucking humiliated you in public on the whims of a crazy person? No one said anything. And and for me, it wasn't the end of the world because I, you know, I I don't really care about all that stuff. Like it was fun. It's not like I'm in jail. Like mm-hmm. it's a fun story, and you know, a lot of people wanted to collectively sue the school and the school board or whatever and get you know a shit ton of money and i was kind of like look she's crazy just let her go to jail and it's fine and uh, <laughs> so i'm still i'm still broke that'd be great if every situation with a crazy girl could end that way like ah, it's okay just just let her go to jail <laughs> yeah even if it's just some crazy ex-girlfriend like just take her to jail it's okay Dude, all my ex-girlfriends are in jail bro they're all cra- <laughs> they're all crazy one year with me and they're all crazy. The two EPs that you've put out so far, there's sort of like a cohesive sound to them. You know, you have like, I think five tracks on each one, five or six. Yeah. There's a kind of general sound that sort of links all the songs, but they don't necessarily blend together with each other. Yeah. There's different ways albums can be, you know, like there's some albums where like every song just sounds completely different. And the only thing stringing them together is the fact that, you know, the album tells you they're strung together. Yeah. Like, or, or the singer, you know, the vocal on there or something. Right. The same vocalist. And then there's some albums where they sort of bleed together. I mean, that's the way I felt you growing up listening to like Tool. Yeah. You know, Tool was a, Tool was a band where you just, you listened to the album and it was, it was like one big sort of thing. And then the song sort of like blended into each other and like they literally blended into each other. Yeah. And then there's some albums and EPs like I hear with your stuff where there is, there's a sound, but I can distinctly, I distinctly know the separation of the tracks and I can, I can clearly pick out a favorite. I think Mm -hmm. that's the difference. Like when, when someone has an album where it all blends together, it can be like a neat experience, Yeah, but it's sometimes tricky to say, Oh, you know what song I really liked was, you know, number four, fucking laser death or whatever. Yeah. I got to stress. That's my personal taste. Maybe, you know, not every album need, you need to have a favorite song. Like that shouldn't be the thing that you immediately have to find. Mm -hmm. But for me personally, it is. That's my music thing. Like when someone sends me like, oh, check out this EP or check out this album, I'm listening. And the second I hear like the song that I really like, that's the thing that's going to connect me to that album. Yeah. Well, you got to you gotta find one thing or one amazing song from someone to make you want to check out the rest of their stuff. Mm-hmm. When I'm checking out people on SoundCloud or whatever, and, and uh, you know, I hear one song that's really cool. That makes me want to go through all their discography and check out more of their stuff. So, I mean, right. is that kind of the point that you're... That's exactly it. I mean, I've always said, you know, it was Perturbator's music that got me into the scene. And I could specifically say, like, it was that specific track on Hotline Miami, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. It was that song being so cool that made me go, who's this guy? That made me go, holy shit, this guy's got this album here. And then, holy shit, there's a fucking scene? Like, what? Yeah, right? I totally yeah. understand that. But, I mean, going back to the my EPs being consistent sounding, but not necessarily tying together, that's maybe a little bit conscious, but most of it is just because of my lack of knowledge of, of mixing. So some songs sound a bit different, <laughs> you know? So it's one of those happy accidents. Mm-hmm. But I use a lot of the same software, uh, the VSTs and everything on all the tunes. So that's I think that's why they have the same feeling or the same sound, but not necessarily the exact same vibe throughout all the tracks, which I think is cool. I didn't. I, sometimes I don't 
necessarily mean to do that but i think that gives options to people too because they may not like this other one that's like straight 80s synth wave and this one maybe that's a little more current sounding some people mm -hmm. may gravitate towards different tunes so if one person likes one of my tunes that's that's good enough for me you know which is your favorite track on electric love Shit, I'm trying to remember what's on there. I mean, definitely Color and Data was kind of like the one that I'm like, okay, this is probably going to get some people's attention maybe just because I kind of worked it that way. Sometimes you need to just... The reason why it's called Color and Data is because there's like an explosion of melodies and things like that. And I kind of see that in color and information coming through when I listen to music. So... Mm -hmm. I definitely love that one because of that kind of busyness and just melodic action going on. I do like Into the Into the Darkness a lot because that was kind of like had this sound that I was looking for, just a kind of a slower tempo, like badass kind of space journey. And a lot of people gravitated towards those two songs. Even though I used to consider myself like a movie nerd, really, if you looked at my top 10, it would not be surprising. I feel that way about music too. Like whenever I tell somebody like, oh, my favorite song is this one. It's like, yeah, that's everybody's favorite song. It's like, yeah, yeah you know, same with movies. Even though going to film school, you know, you're always going to meet some asshole who's like, oh, well, my favorite film is fucking Pink Rose in the Wind, of, you know, yeah. like a Japanese film from 1948. You'd be like, fuck you. Like, yeah, fuck those people. Man. You know, like, there's nothing wrong with your favorite film being fucking Terminator 2. Like, no, there's nothing and, wrong and, with that. And that is one of my favorite films. I think some of the mainstream things or, or big successful tunes, it, there's a reason why they're 
popular or everyone likes them because there's something that we can all gravitate towards. So sometimes that is the answer. Everyone's favorite tune is Chalk 5. You feel me? <laughs> there's some pretty epic photos of you playing guitar. I found I was sort of scamming through your uh, scamming. That's not the right word. Skimming. I have nothing to hide, so my Facebook is your Facebook. <laughs> Just you, though, Andy. Okay? Just you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, there's some pretty good uh, pictures on there of, like, you playing guitar, like, nicely taken sort of epic-looking shots. Just shredding. Some of those pictures are, are from tour and things like that, and whether they're pro photographers part of the tour take them or some you know fans take them and send them to me and if they look cool i'm like sweet dude i'll put that up <laughs> i look like a rock star because <laughs> i'm not one trust me hey man i saw you on australian tv playing with sam sparrow that's right i am one bro i was just being <laughs> humble There is a tweet you wrote, or no, this wasn't a tweet, this was a, a Facebook thing, which I'm curious about the story, if you feel like talking about it. Oh, God. The quote is this, just spun out hardcore across three lanes on the 134 freeway. I guess it wasn't my time. Oh, yeah. XO. The infamous spin out. That happened a couple months ago because I, I test all my songs out in the car when I'm like listening to mixes because I have a really shitty sound system. So if it mm -hmm. sounds good on that, it's going to sound good on awesome speakers. So I sometimes I get a bit distracted when I'm like really listening to the tune, which I shouldn't be driving 85 miles per hour, like examining synth sounds and things like that in the car. And, you know, a bunch of brake lights happened before I could do anything and my brakes were a bit shot. And so I pulled on the emergency brake that as I was doing that, I'm like, oh yeah, this is what stunt drivers do to spin out and do cool moves. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not a stunt, stunt driver. So I spun around on the freeway and you know, I'm like, oh, this, this is my time. It's over. And mm -hmm. uh, all these cars are coming at me. I'm looking at the opposite way of the freeway and all these cars are coming at me and just parting like the Red Sea. I don't know how I got out of it. I just like re kept reversing and then like did a quick turn and just kept going on my way <laughs> to a pool party. <laughs> the rest of the day was great. Spinning out is a fucked up thing. Like I, uh, I don't drive personally. But uh, I was involved in like one spin out one time mm -hmm. and it was, a, it was a winter thing. It was just sort of like a spin out out of nowhere. Like just sometimes the roads are just icy and you're driving like normal, but then you got to compensate. You didn't realize you had to. And we were like in a van and we did like a spin out and it like spun like a full, I think it was like two or three times, like a full like spin. Yeah. And I just remember how just bizarre it was. Like, it really did, like, go into slow motion. Yeah, it does, man. It, it was strange after the fact when I was thinking about it. I wasn't actually as scared as I thought I would be at the moment of my death. Because mm -hmm. I seriously thought I was going to flip and die. But it did. It, it got really slow. And it, my life didn't flash before my eyes in that in that certain way. But yeah, it just kind of slowed down and I was able to like maneuver in this kind of like max pain, slow world kind of way. So, <laughs> you know, I, have, I was like shooting guns at cars and like, yeah. I'm here. Don't worry, man. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> More tunes on the way. Tell me about your uh, new release, uh, The Irrelevance of Space and Time. Oh, yeah. That one's cool. I like that one a lot. Um, it's a bit more focused. I think I'd grown a little bit. I know they came out in the same year, so that's kind of a 
ridiculous thing to say. I started working on a couple of those tunes right after the Electric Love. Once you release something, you already kind of are over it and you want to keep working on new stuff. Mm -hmm. So I started working on In Search of Gemini. I started that in March or something and kind of let it sit because I was on the road all summer. That's when I first talked to you. And then I came back and it was kind of a different song. I just reworked that one spent a lot of time on that one which i'm glad i did because it seems to be one of the favorites from people on that ep i think my favorite track is uh, in search of a gemini yeah that's what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah sorry buddy my, my phone keeps ringing can you hold on two seconds hello oh hey man hey hold on two seconds okay hold on i'll put you on the show okay uh just gotta hold on just gotta patch you in here hey it's highway superstar alex karlinski it's a surprise beyond synth interview. So tell me, tell me a bit about this because uh, your album "Take My Time" yeah came out in December. I've celebrated a one month anniversary. It was just me and the album and a champagne bottle. We had a fun time. <laughs> Well, uh, I dig it. It's got a bunch of different sounds in there. There's a catchy thing in Night in the City, which is the first track, which has uh, Dana Jean Phoenix singing on it. And it's that little high pitch thing that happens right before the chorus. That little high-pitched voice uh, or the synth thing, it's actually the first song I've wrote for vocals in the 80s style, and I just thought it would sound really 80s if I put that in there. Uh, it just sounded really cool. How long had you actually been working on it? Because I think when you and I did our actual interview last year, I, I heard a preview of the track that you did with uh, Hoo-Ha, so how long was your album in the works? It was in the works, I think, ever since I started Highway Superstar. And there were like songs that I wrote in intention to put on an album. I didn't quite knew what it's going to be back then, but I just kept on writing and in parallel releasing tracks that are not for the album. So I had this track actually before I contacted Dana. It was ready for ages, like in its raw shape. Of course, I polished it, but it was actually one of the first tracks I finished. It's been waiting for vocals until I found someone that I thought would be the best, in my opinion. It's this sort of album where I took every style, whether it's the darker tones or the TV theme kind of uh, stuff, or the more uh, new wave stuff that me and Mike did. I still sort of tried keeping it together and make an album out of it to show the diversity. Yeah, well, it's definitely there. I mean, you know, with the with the pop tracks, and then, you know, a track like uh, Dial Tones, which is clearly like, you know, like synth wave. You've got a couple of those kind of in there. Camaro 86, which is a pure, like, outrun kind of track. You also did a reworking of Boardwalk Sunset because I noticed you changed it a bit or you added some some more stuff to it. Actually, I did, but it was not because I chose to. It was actually because some of the stuff I did were technically like corrupted and I couldn't redo them 
in uh, the software when I tried to finish the check for the release, so I had to redo some stuff. But I think it's a welcome change because it's mostly subtle and it really adds stuff that weren't there, so I'm all for it because you get to hear both versions, although they're not really different from each other. <laughs> Did you have any input into the lyrics of the tracks, or that was just up to the singers? I had input for all the tracks that have lyrics, but to a certain extent, because I like keeping it flowing and totally depending on the artist that does it. The Dana tracks, uh, Night in the City track, it was more like guidelines. You know, I gave her some words or sentences I thought would be cool there, and she just completed the entire verse or chorus. The chorus is all her. Right. I just told her how I thought this should feel like, and she kind of went with it. And Take My Time, the track, I mean, there were vocal lines that I had pre-made with the guy on vocals, Chris Page, and I just told Dana, well, uh, these are his lines, and you can do something that can fit over it and then come up with some stuff on your own. Who is Chris Page? I don't know if I'm familiar with him. He's a friend of a friend. Like, I have a friend who's this trans producer, heavy trans, you know, people who listen to this stuff are usually on chemicals (laughs) (laughs) anymore. So uh, he produces music for these kinds of people and for himself. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, he had uh, some vocals laid down for him to make a track and he didn't use them. When he sent them to me for initially, it was meant for a remix and he didn't release the original. So I thought, well, why don't I just do an original of my own? Like I asked him, would he mind? And obviously here's the track right i know it's probably tricky to pick favorites but of like the instrumental tracks which one is like the one you feel the most strongly about i don't know it comes in periods i think not like uh, pms but uh (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) Um, you son of a bitch i just almost (laughs) spit out my tea i I took a big fucking glass of tea And I was like, there's no way he's going to make a period joke. I was like, he's not going to do it. <laughs> oh, yes, I did. Class. No. <laughs> no class. Absolutely no class. <laughs> right now, I would probably say either Dial Tones or 1080. Yeah, Dial Tones is cool. couldn't decide at first how I want to lay out the tracks, like what I want to do it, like a track with vocals, a track without vocals, a darker track, a lighter track, etc. Mm-hmm. 
And then I actually decided that, like, concept-wise, I want to keep it grouped like you would do with a cassette or a vinyl release that you'll have side A and side B. So I consciously decided I want to have the lighter tracks in the beginning of the album. And then, you know, when you go to this uh, virtual side B, you have, like, the second part of the album, which is more instrumental. So you'll have everything in one spot, whatever you're looking for. As it's not like a concept album where every track has a meaning and everything has its order. That makes sense to me, man. Cool. So what's what's? Uh, <laughs> I love awkward moments. What's on uh, what's on tap for uh, 2014? There's a couple of remixes I need to finish. There's a Terry Poison remix. A Terry Poison is an Israeli artist electro sort of band. Is that the one with the two girls? No, no. That's another one. That's a different story. But the producer of uh, Terry Poison actually uh, introduced me to those two girls, Rio. Right, okay. They're releasing a single called Gorgeous. And I'm one of the remixes, the other one being, I think, Alpha Beta, an electro band from Russia. Okay. The producer dude that produces Terry Poison, he's also uh, a solo artist. I think it's pronounced Bruno Greif. He's going to have a single out as well, so I'm remixing him. And Rio, the band we were talking about, the two girls that make a dream synth pop or whatever you may call it i'm gonna start maybe producing a track or maybe mixing their stuff it's not decided yet but we just got in contact and it goes pretty pretty well i'd say by the way what are you doing now right now what are you wearing um i am wearing a robe because <laughs> it is so very <laughs> cold in here underneath that a hooded sweater do you have a mask with that hood yeah. <laughs> <laughs> honestly it's too it's too cold to go out robin Anyway, okay, I got to get back to Droid Bishop. So I just got to say, I really enjoyed your album. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a lovely day. Uh, take care, dude. Take care. Have a good day. All right, get patched back in the Droid Bishop. James Bowen, how's it going? It's beautiful, man. The, the sun is shining into my room. I'm wearing a, a nice tank top. I feel good. You know, I'm ready for 2014. <laughs> Awesome. Well, um, where we left off, we were about to hear a bit of the track In Search of a Gemini. So let's listen to that.
I kind of like that whole EP. There's nothing that bothers me at this point. So maybe in a couple months, I'll hate everything on there. Uh, but <laughs> as for now, I'm okay. I know it's only five songs, but I was just so slammed with other work. And the mixing really just kind of gets me down because I'm not, I don't really want to do it, but I don't want to rely on other people to do it every time I want to make a new tune. So, I mean, I remember doing like 20 mixes for each song and just like little things. And I just, I kind of just got to a point where it sounded good enough. And I'm just like, fuck it, here you go. And let me move on. So I hope it works for everyone. Yeah, no, I think it's cool. Thanks, bud. Who? (laughs) (laughs) That laugh, man. You're a, you're a, you're a jackal. Who is Olivia Summerlin? Olivia Summerlin is um, this girl I've been playing with for about four years now. Um, Just kind of started out like another call to play guitar for someone. And she hadn't really played with a band before. And we got together and started rehearsing and doing a few little shows here and there. And then earlier last year, she got some good management and booking agents. And we went on the road for two months across the good old USA. And she's doing well. You know, we did UK opening up for Jesse J for a couple of weeks at the end of the year and some more stuff going on this year. But she's a super talented chick and I enjoy playing with her. How much traveling have you done? In the last year or just in life? In your fucking life, man. I haven't been to space yet. So, you know, I'm, that's one of my goals. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, dude. I want to go to the moon and shred on the moon. I want to be the first guy to shred on the moon. No joke. That's a dream. All right. So anyone who wants to come with me. You got to hook up with fucking uh, Zach Robinson, man. Yeah. Well, I saw him. Um, I mean, hook up his buddies. Jesus. It's 2014, guy. Come on. <laughs> we'll just eat your jerky by the fire. Yeah, well, I saw him the other day. I met him in person because he played at the Satellite where I'm going tonight, this place in, in L.A. Yeah, it was cool to see how he did the live thing because I knew I, I listened to when you guys chatted and I was like, I need to be doing that. So I went and saw his set and it was cool. And we chatted after a little bit. And um, we're going to try and link up in the future and chat or do something because I'd like to put on a show, like a full-blown event and have a couple other dudes in the scene play so it was good to check him out and meet him so we're both on each other's radars now and so if you're listening zachary give me a call you're on that basis now you're calling him zachary well i don't know no i don't really know the guy (laughs) (laughs) i didn't even meet him i'm just kidding does he want to go to space or something is that how we talk what we're talking about i don't know yeah i believe he mentioned that was one of his dreams as well well i'll let you know how it goes if you want to come with us you're more we'll do a we'll do a beyond beyond earth up there bro i have no interest in going to space it's gonna be awesome dude (laughs) Uh, what tell me about smoking electric cigarettes they're all right i mean i got them a lot in the summer because i was on the tour bus and like you know these long drives i couldn't really hang for seven hours on there so i just kind of got a bunch of those for the rides and they're cool i mean they're not a real one there's nothing like a real one but also i'm i'm trying to cut back because i'm definitely feeling it in my in my body listen to that growl (laughs) yeah the whiskey and the cigs you know make you look fucking cool as hell though right i guess i mean that's why everyone starts right when you're 14 outside the pizza place looking at girls with your cigarette 15 years later, you've lost (laughs) $10,000, you know, and your lungs are black. Well, as long as you, as long as you stop at some point, I think you can regain the, uh, the pinkness. I think that's true. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it, bro. 
I'm kind of pathetic when it comes to being a, a pro guitar player. I'm not a super gear head like a lot of these other guys that just have like a million pedals and 17 Fender strats. I mean, I've got a couple strats and a Les Paul and a couple of acoustics and a hollow body electric and a few things here and there, but I kind of like buy things and then sell them and then get other things because I get kind of sick of my guitars a lot just on the continuous search for that perfect guitar i actually borrow some stuff once in a while so whatever baby if it's free it's great <laughs> sorry i don't know i'm getting a kick out of this today this is the first interview i've done in months and months and months no i know i'm trying to keep it fresh for you man yeah this is the first actual thing i've recorded even though i keep telling people that beyond synth is coming soon the only thing i've done is make weird photoshop pictures of myself i haven't actually recorded anything when's the full frontal one coming well, that will definitely be a Photoshop. <laughs> this is lasers coming out of different orifices. Well, no, I don't think I'd show any orifices. That's not uh, that's not the way a guy does it. I don't think. Hey, man, speak for yourself. <laughs> have you seen my Facebook pictures? Come on now. I have seen your Facebook pictures. There's a lot of uh, pretty girls. It seems like a, an attractive sort of uh, crew you seem to be around. Yeah, and I know some pretty ladies. I, I'm I'm no uh, wild stallion, if anyone asks, but... Uh, well, I'll ask now. Are you a wild stallion? I am a mild stallion. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Tell me about Days of the Running Man. Oh, yeah. Which is cool, by the way. I dig this one as well. Thanks, dude. Littlefield hit me up from Violent Success, and uh, I think he hit me up about the same time you hit me up in the summer, and both of my responses to you guys were, I'd love to, you know, do this, but I just, I'm on the road, and hopefully I have time when I get back. But you like me better, though, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't put me on the spot like this, man. 
too late. You said, yeah. I love violent success. I love you, John. He actually got in contact with me around that same time. And I had already planned, like at this point, I had decided Droid Bishop was going to be the first episode of season two. And he's like, oh, you know, you should have on there is a Droid Bishop. And then I said, don't fucking tell me what to do, you son of a bitch. I'll fucking run my show the way I run my show. And you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah. And uh, we haven't spoken since, which is silly that I responded that way because we were actually both on the same page. But yeah, well, you need that tension for the relationship to build. Yeah, I got I got to stand my ground. Well, you guys are cool. I mean, both of you are kind of big supporters of of this world, so that was cool to work on that track. And I actually had a track that I was going to put on my EP, the last uh, Irrelevance of Space and Time. It was almost like a throwaway track i was gonna have six tracks instead of five and i was like i don't know about this track maybe i'll just use this for the violent success thing and then i felt a bit bad because if you're gonna do one a one-off song for a compilation like you know it better kick ass and not just be a throwaway track so i just kind of put that together a couple of days before i was supposed to send it to him which is risky sometimes i get lucky and sometimes i just come up with a total shit ball of a song so i i think it came out pretty well well you know we'll see what other people think but uh i like that one a lot it's got a cool feel and i'm looking forward to this uh, chop shop interview i'm just gonna cut out lots of words and i'm just gonna insert my own voice in place of yours for the answers i didn't like I love it. So it'll be like, uh, so can you do an Australian accent? You'll be like, good eye, mate. And then I'll be like, there we go. Yeah, nah, nah, yeah, There yeah. you go, you did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it almost sounded like you were doing an Australian accent when you were on that show. See, that's what everyone thinks that I, I was like bullshitting. I got all these emails from friends back in the US. Like, to be fair, I know you just said one word. Yeah. But there was something about the inflection because you actually just went like, yeah, he's all right. Yeah. If you were listening for it. You could also hear how you weren't saying it with an accent. No, for sure. It just sure. so happened that that those words yeah. can kind of swing both ways, sexually. I mean. Yeah, exactly. Being back there, when it, when I'm surrounded by people that I used to have an accent like that, it kind of slips in once in a while. And I really wasn't trying to be cool by having that accent. But it was funny because <laughs> everyone thought I was just like the biggest poser in the world. Like, yeah, he's all right. Yeah. No, nah, no. Nah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. I, w I wish I could do it because when I was in, uh, you mentioned my old band, Neon Hymns, all the guys have accents. Whenever we'd play shows in, in the U.S., like no one could give a shit about me. It's all, it's like, oh man, look at these accents. We're the same three, four dudes, but they had a magical accent and, uh, you know, the ladies flock to the accent. So uh, I was left in the corner crying. Like when they, when they came over, was it because you were here? No, like that was no, they just came over. Um, they had the band going and they came over as a trio and were looking for another guitar player. And they like miraculously moved about three, four miles away from me, which is, you know, that's pretty random for moving to a different country to be that close. So I don't buy it. Oh, you think they followed me because I'm so awesome? I think they came over on purpose and they were like, you know, who's a really cool guy? Fucking Droid Bowen. Droid Bowen, baby. And then they came over, man. That's what happened. Let's pretend that they did. Let's pretend I have the Aussie accent and I'm actually speaking to you right now. <laughs> hey, man, works for me. It works for me. Yeah. Well, buddy, we've been talking for like an hour. It doesn't feel that long, does it? I'm a great talker. You just make me feel so safe. <laughs> 
You know how awesome my laugh would be if I fucking smoked? It'd be like a ha 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 ha. I love a smoky laugh, man. They're the best. I don't. I like don't. Falcor's laugh, dude. Betray <laughs> you. Ah, ah, ah. Why don't you just have you know smoke about twenty in a row and then and then we'll tell some jokes, <laughs> some smoky jokes. I like the sound of that. Yeah, buddy. What you got coming up, man? Well, as far as Droid Bishop goes, um, I'm working on an LP right now. I don't know how many songs it's going to be. I'm just kind of going track to track so I don't get too overwhelmed. Nine. Nine? You think? I was thinking 10, but uh, that's a round number. Is it a round album? Well, it's going to be circular, compact disc form. Ooh. I don't know about that. I was thinking maybe doing <laughs> a uh, doing a limited vinyl release maybe because of the kind of niche vibe of that in this scene might, be, might work. Because I know a lot of dudes are doing the cassette thing which mm-hmm. is cool, but I'm a bit more into vinyl, so I think it'd be cool to have a, a record and with an awesome 80s space droid bishop graphic on there. And, and uh, I, don't, I don't know yet, because that's, that's expensive. But yeah, I think it'll probably be out a bit before the summer or at summertime. I'll keep you all posted. And it's like summertime all the time down there, isn't it? Yeah, so it's out tomorrow. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, dude. I like to hear people say the sentence, it's out tomorrow. It's out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, dude. Anything you want to share with the people? Let me see. I saw Kick-Ass 2 and I didn't care for it. The first one was good. Yeah, the first one was good. What else? Want to buy a PlayStation 4, but they're all sold out. Not that it really matters because there isn't really like a killer game for it right now. Wasn't GTA for that or was that on 3 as well? It's on 3. It's not on 4, but they probably will port it to 4 at some point. But at that point, I will have already played the game. I do love playing games, but I feel I get distracted from things I need to do. So I don't have a system right now, but I just got an iPad for Christmas and uh, they had GTA. They had a couple of GTAs on there and they had Max Payne, like a lot of the Rockstar stuff. And uh, I downloaded those and I've just been gaming way too much on those. I beat Max Payne in like a day or something and I'm not a huge gamer. So how do you control it on the iPad? No, it's not that bad. I mean, I I got Vice City on my computer and that's way harder to play on the computer than the iPad. They do like the virtual thumbsticks thing. Yeah. So sometimes I'm shooting outside of the, the side window on GTA when I should be turning the car. But you know, that those these things happen. Now I'm just kind of like, I don't want to make music. I just want to play games all day. That's not good for anyone. For me, I've noticed it just takes the right games for me to go into like hardcore gaming mode. Yeah. So I think as I get older, I always used to think, oh, yeah, I'm like a hardcore gamer. And I am with the right game. So now it's like there are just key franchises that I get excited for. It's like GTA, uh, Elder Scrolls games. Did you ever get into uh, Metal Gear? Yes. I love Metal Gear. Yeah, Metal like, Gear is like cool. There's like three games that I really like. That's one of them. I just love the, the vibe and the story. My favorite is still the first one. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid for PS1. It was just a big deal at the time. I just remember that was like the first game I played with like a serious story. That was the big selling point. I mean, some games I just kind of skip over the story so I can get to the action. I remember just playing, I was about you know, 11, 12 years old, just in this dark room watching these videos, getting really into the story. Snake! (laughs) Also, too, if you skipped over the story in Metal Gear, uh, the game was about an hour and a half long. Yeah, exactly. Metal Gear, Meryl, 
Meryl. And what was the Oct Doctor? Oct, what was his name? Octavia. Oct this, this looks like something from one of my animes. What's with these guys? It's like one of my Japanese animes. I see. I get very particular about um, performances and stuff in games. Like, who was I talking to about it? I was talking about um, Legend. And the comparison about Legend, the director's cut with the the original and how they kind of went with different audio cues and stuff. Oh, yeah. I remember you talking about that. Metal Gear, they did like a remake on GameCube and it was called Metal Gear Twin Snakes. And it was Metal Gear Solid, except with kind of updated graphics. Yeah. And they re-recorded the dialogue. It really bugged me because the actor who played Cyborg Ninja... Yeah. His performance wasn't as good. So I to me, I didn't care that like the audio was like in a better fidelity. Yeah. There's a scene where you're fighting him in that office. Yeah, I remember that one. And in the original version, he's like, hurt me more. Like that. Yeah, I remember that. Hurt me more. And in the fucking remake, he was like, hurt me more. It was a different performance. And what pissed me off was I I loved specifically the way he delivered that line. So yeah, I love that. In the remake, it was just like, hurt me more. And it was like, <laughs> yeah. this is fucking not doing it. And the other thing, he mispronounced a word in the original game because he says the word respite, mm. but he pronounces it respite. But I liked the sound of it better, like in the old yeah. one, like when he said his sentence, like, only then will I find respite. Yeah. And then when he's pronounce it properly in the next game was just like, ah, oh, find respite. And it's like, yeah, that word sucks if you say it right. Yeah. Idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot cyborg ninja. The only thing that was good, though, I will say this. The cutscenes in the uh, the GameCube one, they actually extended the game and actually sort of ruined a lot of scenes by making them too long. Yeah. But the action scenes were really cool because they sort of like matrixed it up. Mm. So some of them were silly because Solid Snake was doing like bullet dodging and stuff. Oh, okay. But the stuff with the ninja was wicked because you buy it because he's Cyborg Ninja. He already has like crazy abilities. Yeah. So they did a lot of cool things where like Cyborg Ninja was like flipping around with swords and stuff. And it, it really, uh, those scenes were cool. I got to check it out at least to see see the difference. If you just went on YouTube, I bet you there's, because I mean, getting a hold of a GameCube in that game now would. Yeah, I'm going to go buy a GameCube right now. <laughs> just just for my res- respite. Yeah. <laughs> This has been a lot of fun. This is uh, yeah, man. Well, I feel quite comfortable with you. Thanks, buddy. We should we should get a room. <laughs> Bring that bag of jerky. Hey, man, I do got a bag of jerky. I want some right now. I these slim, <laughs> these slim Jims ain't cutting it, bro. Mechanically processed meat? No way. No, I agree with you there. Unless it's delicious. Sometimes there are some fast food chains that manage to. Uh, mechanically uh, join up fucking various anuses of various animals and it's delicious. Yeah, I don't need I don't need to know how the sausage is made, bro. Just give it to me on a hot plate. And then tell me how it's made. Yeah, as it's in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been uh, fun talking to you. Yeah, you too, man. You have a lovely day. I guess it's always a lovely day there. Yeah, you have a icy cold day, bro. It is very cold and icy. Yeah, brutal. Well, you do the best you can, man. Okay, I'll be praying for you. <laughs> As I'm surfing the waves, baby, in my radical t-shirt. Do you surf? No, not at all. Either way, I'll be in the sun and you'll be miserable, so that's okay. <laughs> 
And that's it, folks. Yeah. <laughs> all right, dude. Well, it was good talking to you. Yeah, you too, man. I'll chat soon, all right? All right, dude. Take care. Later. And that was Droid Bishop. You can check out all the links. I'll post them up on the website. Uh, check out his EPs. Uh, it's really kick-ass stuff, and I like it a lot. I'd like to thank all of my guests, uh, including special appearances by Vincenzo Salvia, Lucasette's Adam McNabb, Highway Superstar Alex Karlinski, and I'd like to thank uh, Protector101 for letting me use his track in the opening skit. The skit originally had a different ending, uh, but I rewrote it because it originally was a little too dark. Uh, and when I changed it, I had to edit out a special appearance by Jake Freeman, who was in the original skit. And I felt kind of bad for uh, cutting his appearance at the end of the show, because there was going to be a skit at the end of the show. So I thought I would speak with him about how he felt about the whole experience and uh, apologize for cutting him out of the end of the program. So hi, Jake Freeman. How do you feel today? I'm okay. I think I'm a little sick. Are you mashing your keyboard? Yeah, I was turning down the volume on my headphones. Hmm. I don't care much for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll stop. How are you? I think I'm okay. My house is a little messy, so I've been uh, trying to tidy up. Ah. So I feel like it wasn't a, a very creative day. You know, I, I didn't really do too much to forward my creativity, but I did clean up a bit. And sometimes that's what you need. You need mm -hmm. to clear your space in order to clear your mind. Definitely. Yes. I, I agree with that. Good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let the listeners know about how I uh, had to make some changes to the closing skit on this episode of the podcast and uh, that I had to essentially cut you out of the end of the episode. Right. It's done in Hollywood all the time. So I told you the other day, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm rewriting the ending and, uh, you know, I'm going to have to cut out your cameo. But I wanted to see how you felt and if you felt okay about it, that, you, that you're okay with the creative direction that, that the show has taken. I'm not upset. Are you sure? I'm a little disappointed. Were you, were you hoping it would sort of raise your, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Penis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is the word I'm looking for? Raise your notoriety profile? Profile. You having a good day, though? <laughs> I'm having a blast right now. Well, that's good. Because I just wanted to make sure that, that you were okay with the fact that I cut you out at the end of the episode. Is sort of... I am okay. We are still friends. You know, when you make decisions like that, sometimes it's with a heavy heart. Uh-huh. And uh, I just knew that the original ending, as it were, did not make sense with the rewrite. And it's very important to me that, that Beyond Synth makes sense. When I set out to to make the show, I just wanted to make sure that there was nothing strange or confusing. Uh-huh. I feel that anyone tuning in for the first time who hears a skit about me shooting Vincenzo Salvia and then Adam McNabb jumping in and shooting me uh -huh. is going to be in no way confused, especially if they're tuning in for the first time to listen to Droid Bishop's interview, <laughs> that they'll just be like, oh, yeah, this is par for the course with any sort of interview podcast. I think uh, when people listen to your show, they take everything with the greatest salt. What is the origin of that phrase? <laughs> Way back in the 1982, some lady had uh, grains of salt in her backpack. And she was also a liar? Uh-huh. <laughs> are we both making up this story at the same time? Yes. <laughs> no, you know, like when there's certain turns of phrase that just don't... Yeah, it's raining cats and dogs. Well, see, that one's like, okay, if it's big drops of rain, I suppose. 
Is that the idea? No, I I think it was like it, it actually was at one point raining cats and dogs. Not like from the sky, like from sky sky. Yeah, look it up. I think it's weird and dark. Well, there's like an explosion at the puppy mill or something. Oh no! <laughs> but the cats were okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. For some reason, there was cats at the puppy yeah. mill. <laughs> <laughs> well, those puppy mills are all—they're not really reputable places, right? So. Yeah, Whenever I hear about them on the news, people aren't t- people aren't, people don't often speak of puppy mills in a sort of a kind light. No, no. So I'm assuming that that's because you know you finally go like, oh, you know they're treating these dogs like shit. Let's go to the puppy mill, and then they get there and like it's all fucking cats. <laughs> right. They tried to sell me a puppy, which was actually a cat. Yeah, and they just like glued little dog ears on it and gave it to the pet store. <laughs> this little mechanical speaker goes. Ruff, ruff. <laughs> I am not a cat. Well. I guess that's uh, that's pretty much all I had to say. I just wanted to... <laughs> Always a pleasure. This has been a wacky-ass episode. Right in the middle when I was talking to Droid Bishop, Alex Karlinski called, and so I put him on the show instead for a while. How come you never talking to me about my new album? I have a question. Either your dog is on your lap or you're hungry. What is it? <laughs> that's my dog. Okay. <laughs> He's being really loud for some reason. Because I keep on hearing that sound. I'm like, is Jake hungry? <laughs> Usually I know when you're hungry, you say the sentence, Jake hungry, but this time <laughs> Jake hungry. I knew, I knew like I, you were behaving because you're on the show. So me one honeycomb, <laughs> honeycomb, honeycomb, me one honeycomb. <laughs> hey, did you ever eat cookie crisp? America, USA mm-hmm. actually had different cereals than we had. USA. And you guys had kind of, I mean, we still have a giant cereal aisle, like North America in general, has giant cereal aisles, more so than other countries do. But the States always had some of the crazier cereals that never quite made it here, like the super sugar ones. And I think Cookie Crisp was one of them. Uh, And and Boo Berry, I don't think we ever got. Oh, no, not Boo Berry. Well, all those those cereals that were literally just sugar, you know what I mean? Like, there was no... I mean, we got Lucky Charms and all that shit. But, uh, (laughs) yeah. Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Yeah, we got that. Oh, CTC is the best. Honeycomb, honeycomb, me want honeycomb. You know, the, the honeycomb monster. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yeah. that thing was. <laughs> Whatever he is. Because <laughs> in Canada, we didn't have the monster. We had like an Indiana Jones ripoff. And he was called the honeycomb <laughs> kid. And he was on the box. Like it wasn't this crazy monster thing. It was just the dude. Weird. Yeah, there was little changes like that. Those are the key differences I know. I mean, you had like sugar bear and stuff, right? Can't get yeah, enough of yeah, that sugar crisp. Had... You can never get it. Yeah, yeah. Sugar bear. <laughs> Well, we had the wow. This conversation is sounding familiar. I know. I think it's like a. It wasn't me that you talked to about this, but I think it was a different episode. God, yeah, I know. This is how long it takes. Uh, Sixteen episodes, and I'm just going to start recycling all the stuff I say all the time. <laughs> because I don't do that already. Hashtag Grand Theft Auto Five. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird because like Cookie Crisp when it first came out, it was a. Uh, it was like a burglar. Right. And his burglar dog. And then it was just his dog. And then now it's like a fox or something like that. It's Yeah, I like when cereals rebrand, like that's important. When any kid watches children's TV and just sees advertised like, hey, it's a box full of fucking sugar nuts. Who cares who's selling it to you? <laughs> I used to have cookie crisp with not milk, but half and half. Jesus. It's ridiculous. New fucking sugar cereal with cream? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have flown in my house. My dad was like, uh, 
into like the health food. Uh, Even yeah. though all my friends had all the wicked uh, sugar cereals, I ate a cereal called Muffets, which are like they literally look like little hay bales. <laughs> Is what Muffets look like. If you see a picture of a Muffet, it's like a hay bale. Flavorless, the worst. Weird. I hated Muffets so much. Anyways, buddy, it was good okay. catching up with you. Yes, And uh, I apologize for uh, cutting you out of the end of this episode. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Just don't forget about me. All right, man. Well, you have a, you have a lovely day, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good, Andy. All right. Take care, buddy. Alrighty, that's the end of the show. I want to thank you all for listening. I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the season. Uh, by season, I mean season two of the podcast, not the season of winter, which I am not enjoying. Uh, and I will talk to you guys next time. All right, take care. I'm Andy Last, signing off. If you don't put down that gun, Andy, I'm going to take my belt off, and I'm going to bend you over, and I'm going to give you a couple of lashes on each cheek. Now, you don't want that, lad. I know you're a good egg. You're a very good egg. You were born right. There's no wrong about you. It's just your upbringing, lad. You live in Canada. I understand it. Now come with me. You can walk away from this. Just let go of that penis. I was telling your mother last week when I was ploughing her from behind that you're going to be a good lad. Now put down that fucking cock.